I tell you, these, these guys are growing. Worship is powerful, huh? Man, I, I tell you what, maybe it's just me. Maybe, maybe y'all need to be up here. You know, this is where you feel it up here, right? <laughs> you feel it. Oh, man, I, I tell you, I love worshiping with others. I love the fact that it, it's great that God has given us technology and people can watch online and, and it was really useful, but I'm thankful for that. And so if you're online, I'm thank you, thankful that you're checking in. But man, I love worshiping with believers. I love worshiping with my people. I love worshiping and hearing the, I feel like I'm in the throne room of God and just we're all praising him and I, I can feel it. I, I don't know about you. I, I just, I just go there. And so I love to enter in. I feel the same as when I'm opening up my Bible and I'm, I'm at home alone and I'm, I'm feeling that revelation from the Lord, that, that presence, his presence. And so when I'm able to worship with you guys, I can feel his presence enter in. And there's something about, there's about a, somewhere in that three quarters into that second song, it feels like you guys wake up or maybe I tune in, but you guys are just coming alive and all of a sudden, boom, the Holy Spirit shows up. But, uh, we are in our second week of You Are You Are Here series. You are here. You know, this, you've seen this little sign, and you know whenever you're trying to uh, associate yourself with a place and where you're wanting to go, you go to a sign. It's oftentimes a map in the mall or something like that or in Six Flags, and you go look for this, and you say, I'm here. Now, if you were here, we established that you would be in the Trinity River. You're not there. You're actually over here, and so we're a little off, but it's, it's okay. Uh, so you can probably, you'll probably at some point picture yourself fishing or hunting and you'll days away. I just want to pull you back in. Remember, you're here. Come over here, thrive. Join me back in this, in this message right here, all right? Don't, don't daze out. Don't, don't fall asleep on me. We're going to have fun today. We're going to take you on a little journey. Uh, remember last week we talked about these four soils. There were four groups. We had a graphic up here and it talked about these different four groups right here. Fellowship was one of those. Uh, that was the first group where these people are getting to know, exploring God is what the terminology is for these guys. They're, they're wanting fellowship, trying to figure out fellowship. Haven't come to yet to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, I want to mind you, this is, mind you, this is 525 churches that have taken this poll, this survey, and 180,000 believers, this is all across the nation, and these, this group is in church. This is a large population of the church, not the, not the most, not most of them, but a large population of the church. They're here, and they're trying to figure out how to get here. They're sure about God, but not sure about Jesus. And there's only one way through over here, and that's through the cross, through Jesus. Now, here's what you need to know. To get from here to here, it's all by grace. And here's what, that's what they discovered. It was all by grace. I was working so hard, and all I had to do was surrender, Right? And so I had to confess and believe and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. He died for my sins. Three days later, he rose again so that I may have life. These people accepted that truth by grace. It's a free gift. Can't, you can't earn it. So they're walking in relationship, trying to figure out relationship. What does relationship mean? I believe in Jesus, and I'm working on what it means to get to know him. That gnosko is a word in, in our Greek, in our, in our Bible, and it says, to know, to intimately know Christ. I'm trying to figure that out. They're in relationship. They discovered, I can't do it on my own. And so not only do I need other believers, but I need God's word. And so they, they bridge this group over to, over to discipleship in God's word, starting to understand, starting to get into God's word a little bit. They started on their own, outside of church. They actually opened up God's word and realized, oh, there's some stuff that I can do discipleship-wise 
And I'm actually going to equip you a little bit today with some discipleship tools that you can go home and stuff them in your tool belt and you can use these things today. But I want to remind you what the four soils said. I'm not going to read all of Mark 4. It's Mark 4. You can find it in your Bible. You can go read it. I I read it last week. It's long. But there's a parable, which is a story that Jesus throws along a truth so that we can get the truth. And then he breaks down the, the, that was the parable, is the parabolic language. And then he gives us the literal truth. Now, soil one, they heard the word. They got all excited like a little puppy. And but before they could believe, Satan, the birds of the air, we said he says, Jesus says the birds of the air, and he diagnosed, he interpreted those as Satan, comes and steals the word out, lest they believe and get saved. Okay? So they heard the word. They're in church. They just didn't couldn't believe it because Satan came and stole it. Now, group two, scripture says they heard the word, they're all excited, and they're looking for change. They made change, they believe in Jesus. But when persecution or tribulation takes place, happens, it comes and they start to stumble. Let me say it this way. I heard an amazing word from Pastor Nathan, but when I went outside, somebody ticked me off in the Walmart parking lot and I started cussing and got angry and all fed up and tribulation, persecution, and they started stumbling over the word. You can feel that one. And so... But they said, you know what? I'm not going to do it that way anymore. I'm going to hold my tongue because James tells me to, and that's in Scripture. That's in God's Word. So I'm going to start figuring out relationship and grow in discipleship. And so, yet Scripture says that over here, we talked about one and two last week. We're talking about three today. Four next week. Group two have realized the issue with them, Jesus says, You know, unless they continue to grow in God's word and stay near to me and they walk this thing out with the Holy Spirit, we talked about last week, parakletos. I really want to encourage you to go back and watch next week. Unless they start walking out and opening up the word with the Holy Spirit, there's what's going to happen. There's going to be things that happen that's going to choke out the word. And so what happens here is they get all caught up and Satan comes and chokes out the word. And then they're starting to figure out, they're frustrated. I don't know how to do this. I want to give up. And easily they can switch back to here and that they're, they're upset. They don't know how to apply the word. But it's in the application and it's in the failing and picking yourself back up because Scripture says a righteous man falls seven times and he doesn't stay there. He get backs up and what ha- gets back up. And what happens is the Holy Spirit picks you up and says, hey, dust you off a little bit. That's not who you are. Here's who you are. And the loving conviction with grace and mercy, the Holy Spirit brings truth, pricks your heart, cuts the flesh of your heart, and you realize, you know what, you're right. I can't believe I'm, what am I doing? I'm tired of doing it my way. I'm going to lay down my control down, and I'm going to start doing your, your way. And that's when the Lord begins to grow us and build us up in discipleship. Okay, so that's a summary. We're talking about Mark 4. And this week we're talking about Mark 4, 7. That's the, that's the, four, the third soil. We're gonna, I'm going to give you the parable, and then I'm going to break it down because even the disciples didn't understand what he was saying. It says this, And some seed fell, along, fell among the thorns. And the thorns, remember that word, grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. And the disciples were like, What, Jesus, what did you just say? I don't understand your parabolic language. And, and what, would you please interpret this and translate this so that we you know, simple-minded people can understand. That, that's, that's what the disciples were saying. He says, okay, Mark 4, verse 18, says this. 
It says, now these are the thorns, they're the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. Coming. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word. Remember we talked about the choke the word out, and it becomes unfruitful. So the word is in there. However, the thorns and the deceitful of riches, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, enter in the cares of this world. They choke out the good word that you heard today or in your Bible in Revelation time, and it becomes unfruitful. So it's like, why did I even spend time? Why did I even go to church? Why did I even read the Bible? Why did I even get into it? And all these thoughts start to ruminate because it's unfruitful because these things take place. Now, you need to know they were in church. They were hearing it. And so they were getting the word. Last week, we talked much about this parabolic language. Remember verse four, verses 4-7, Mark was just talking about, and Jesus was saying, there's a parabolic language. Last week, we discussed that when Jesus said, the birds of the air come and steal the seed, lest they believe and be saved, they said, what are the birds of the air? He says, Satan. Satan is the birds of the air. Do you, and maybe some of you remember that. So we discussed that. We started establishing that Jesus was talking about was talking about a parabolic language. We even established that some of you, you actually knew some of Jesus' parabolic language that's throughout Scripture. I pulled up verses such as Genesis 3.1, and I, I just said the first of it. It says, now the serpent, and I stopped there, and I said, now who's the serpent? And you guys said, Satan. And I said, how did you know? Because it's not on the screen. And you said, well, we just know. Because that's what I've been told. Then I took you to Revelations 12, 9, and it says, Now the dragon of old, the, the serpent, the devil, and Satan himself. So we let the, the Bible interpret the Bible. We don't make things up. Everything I'm going to tell you today is not made up. We let the Bible interpret the Bible. So we need to have a book, a verse, a chapter, everything connected to it to say, let, let's let God interpret his own word. He's pretty good at it. There's a lot of power in it when he does it. Now remember, Jesus also said, he said about this particular parable, it is very, and told them, it's very important. Verse 4, 13, chapter 4, verse 13 says, it's very important that you understand this. How do you not understand this? Unless you understand this parable, how will you understand all of my parables? How will you understand my parabolic language? And so they said, please teach us. And so that's when he begins to break it down. In other words, get this. If you don't understand the meaning behind what I am saying, your belief system is going to be faulty and you're going to give a foothold to the enemy to come in and out. So in every area, in the areas that you don't understand God's word in applying it, there's a faulty belief system, a faulty foundation. And that's why it feels like your life is kind of shaky and quaking and, and it's going all over the place and there's no stability. It's because there's an area, there are areas that's faulty because of an ungodly belief system or something, that's just what I've been told, or that's what I thought the word said, or that was my interpretation of the word. Well, let's let the word interpret the word. So I'm going to give you three takeaways, but first, I'm going to teach you some more of this, of Jesus' parabolic language so that you can understand this passage that we just read in Mark 4. Remember, Jesus said, thorns choke the word, but what are thorns? Had it highlighted, what are thorns? Before I can show you that, I need to show you another symbol that Jesus shows us that will bring context to 
because it's all about the context of God's word, to the word thorns. And the word that I'm going to show you and illustrate to you is another symbol, and it's scorpions. Like, we're going to talk about scorpions in church today. Luke 10 shows, illustrates, this is Jesus speaking again. He's talking to the disciples. There's 70 at this time that he's training up. He says, then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus says, really? He didn't. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, he's either not listening to what they're saying or he responded directly to what they were saying. They said, Jesus, even the demons flee whenever we say your name. They bow when, they say, when I say your name. It's like the song you just sang, The Great I Am. He says, listen, you don't have to worry about that. I give you all authority over demons, over scorpions, over serpents, over all the power of the enemy. You need to know that truth. So he, he responded exactly in according to what they were saying. He's not saying, what he's not saying is, you know what, that's true. They're not going to hurt you. So tell your friends to bring their snakes, their pet snakes to church on Sunday. We'll let them loose in here and we'll see who can pick them up. That's, that's, that's not what he's saying. So he's not talking about literal serpents and literal scorpions. He's talking about the power of the enemy and that's the demonic realm, the demonic presence. So if that's the case, let's look in another part of the Bible because there's only one author. There's many writers. But there's only one author, and the Holy Spirit authored the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation. So as we go there, I want to equip you with a little bit of discipleship. You need to know this. As you get into your word, this is going to help you a lot. This graphic right here. Now, you get a word. This is, this is a place where you're at right now. You get a word or a scripture or the, a passage, and the Holy Spirit is bringing revelation to you. Well, how do I know I'm hearing that and I'm applying that in context of what God is saying? Well, I look at the immediate context. What are the other verses before and after that? Let me put it into context. You ever, you ever been talking to somebody and you're having a conversation and they go and they're talking about something completely different and you're like, where's this dude and his context clues? Like he's out of the completely. Husbands, I know you've been talking to your wives before and all of a sudden they're talking about something over in left field. Now that starts to rain true. You're getting what I'm saying. Like bring it over here. Here's where we're talking we're having this conversation. So, immediate context. Then, I go to the same book. Now, is that what's saying? Is that what he is saying throughout this same book? Then, I go to the same author. Okay, this is Paul. He says it over here in Corinthians, but is he saying the same thing? Is he talking about the same thing over in Ephesians? Okay, that's got, I got that. Then, other, if I'm in the New Testament, I'm going to look at the other authors, the other writers of the New Testament, but I'm going to look at the same type of text or the same topic. Now, you'll, you'll hear many people preach or talk about certain topics of the Bible, but unless they use that topic with, within the context that that topic is in and you get the significance of that topic according to its context, then it's not the powerful Word of God. It's not the truth, and only the truth can set you free. What it is is opinion based on topics. So you need to know, you need to be able to understand and be a Berean, which is one who goes and studies the word and says, let me see what Pastor Nathan, see if that's the truth. I go and I look at the context of those scriptures 
Is the principle that he's pulling out of that scripture truly the principle, the truth of that topic? Is it in, within context? Okay. We know this is deep. Don't let, this is where I said don't go fishing in the Trinity River on me right now, okay? Then I go to the rest of the New Testament and I challenge it against the Old Testament because from the Old Testament to the New Testament, if it's the truth, it's going to be a principle all the way from Genesis to Revelation and it's going to pass through the cross accordingly. And that's how I know I have a biblical principle that's written to one people and I cross the bridge of time into our current day right now. Okay, that's a lot. Some of you got it. Some of you will get it one day. If you need to learn more about that, our Thrive Tribes are starting in next week, and we have two groups that are going to be breaking this down. We've got Jeff and Joy Stewart who are going to be teaching Bible 101, understanding how to apply the Bible, understanding these principles of the Bible. Joey and Pam are going to be talking about rooted, being understanding why you believe what you believe. You know, that's a big question. Why do you believe that? Why do you believe what it is that you believe? What do you believe about the Scriptures? That needs to be challenged, needs to be brought out in a safe place where you can be to wrestle these things around. So I gave you that. You always want to test things. What we're doing, we're gonna, I'm going to show you that how the Holy Spirit is the author of all things in the Bible, and this truth, these principles that I'm giving you, are in the full context of the Word. I could have said all that and saved you a lot of time. But remember, Jesus himself calls serpents and scorpions demons, and his disciples have authority over them. Isn't that amazing? That is an amazing truth and exciting for you to know because now I can, I know I don't have to be scared of scorpions. Nor do I have to be scared of demons either. Ezekiel 2, 3, and 6 says this, And he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. For they are impudent and stubborn children. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord. As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. Now, now I'm about to give you this literal language. I'm going to show you some parabolic language in this next state statement. But I also need you to know this is a prophetic parable. Uh, sorry, a, a, prof a prophetic uh, passage, rather. Because Ezekiel was a prophet, and God was speaking to him as a prophet to go to his, who is, to his people, Israel, and speak the word of God to them to correct and direct and bring change and restoration. So he's giving them a prophetic message. This next statement has parabolic language, but if this is a literal thing that truly did happen. Do you know, this is also a shadow of things to come. This is an Old Testament passage. It's a shadow of things to come. Because this too is what Jesus did. Jesus was son of man and son of God. That's what he was called. He also was sent. So for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Who is the world? And a, re a rebellious, obstinate people. And so this is a shadow type of things to come. This, your, your Bible is pretty deep. If you would just open this, man, you, you would realize that there's some deeper things than Miss Williams in your third grade social, I mean, sorry, your, your Bible study, your little, your little uh, Sunday school class would told you. This thing opens up. Verse 6, and you, son of man, do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you, 
and you will dwell among scorpions. Do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks. He, he's not saying right now in this season, the rose bushes are flourishing and you need to watch out because there's a lot of thorns on those rose bushes. And the population of scorpions, let me tell you, is just overrun right now. He is not saying that. How do I know that? Do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Right there is parabolic language that God is telling Ezekiel. He's saying, look, there's going to be the demonic forces that are trying to come against you, and you don't worry about that. They, they will not harm you. And the, my people are rebellious and full of evil right now. Here's how I know this as well. Is, is witchcraft demonic or even satanic? You need to know that. You need to know the answer to that one. Yes, yes, both. All right, 1 Samuel 15, 23 says this, that witchcraft... Uh, sorry, rebellion is as of witchcraft. So he's saying, these dudes are practicing evil, and they're pretty demonic. But don't worry, you're going to be all around them. They're going to be all around you when I send you, but they have no power over you. Doesn't it sound just like Luke 10 and Mark 4? God is showing you through Scripture from Old Testament to New Testament that there is a principle that you need to know that if you stay steadfast in the Word and discipleship and growing in Him, there is nothing in this world and nothing on earth that can distract you, that can sway you, that can keep you from being having a solid foundation, true principle, all the way through. Now, the reason I'm showing you this, because I've got to, I've got to get to a place where you're, you're thriving in life. That there, there is more to your walk. There is more to your journey. There is more to your life than what you may have previously settled for but I've got to do something to kind of crack that little nut to, to wake you up and say, hey, I need to get in the Word. I need to develop more of who I am. I need to find out more of, of what God says I am and who He says I am. But Paul also provides some of this parabolic language for us. He uses this same word, thorns. And this verse, you've read many times. You've heard preachers preach on it many times. And in fact, you probably use this verse as a reason to stay in your sin. Well, if Paul couldn't do it, and he was Paul, I'm just going to keep just deal with it and say, by grace of God, I just am who I am, and I just keep on, get on doing. But in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, he says this, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. There it is again. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be, I be exalted above measure. Now, what is he talking about? I know what he's talking about. He says it clearly. The thorn in the flesh is a messenger. What is messenger? Let me tell you this. 186 times this word messenger or angelos is translated in the King James Version. 179 times it's translated as angel. Seven times it's translated, and this is the word in the Greek, messenger. What he's saying is, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, an angel of Satan, to buffet me. You see it? The thorn. So many people ask, what is the thorn? That's not the question. The question, I'll show you. Paul tells us what the thorn is. It's an angel of Satan. It's a demon. He's given it to me to buffet me. 
But the question is, how does it manifest itself? How is it manifesting itself? Some people say, well, it was his eyes. He was starting to lose his eyesight, and he really needed that so that he could minister. Or others say it was the Judaizers, those who were, who were coming at him violently because he was preaching the word accurately. Others yet say it was pride. Those are the manifestations of this right here. Manifest means to make itself known. You need to know what thorn is. You need to know it's a messenger of Satan. It's an angel of Satan. You need to know it's demonic activity, but it has different manifestations in our lives. Am I opening it up to you? All right. When, when, you might get this one, because I know it gets uncomfortable. We start talking about demonic spirits, demonic angels, because there's good angels, there's bad angels. We know, because Scripture says, that a third of the angels fell from heaven with Satan. Those were bad angels. The good angels, the two-thirds, stayed in heaven, right? All right, let me put it this way. Maybe you'll be a little bit more comfortable with this. So you have been around children in a place or a space, maybe in church, maybe in somebody's home, and you were invited over, and those children were just something else. And they, their parents see them, and they say, you know, my, my kids, you hear them somewhere else. My kids are just angels. I just love those kids. And, and you're over there like, yeah, an angel of Satan, right? Now, you're really comfortable with talking about it at that point. <laughs> but, but in this context, when we're talking about the real thing, all of a sudden it starts to get a little uncomfortable. I start to sweat a little bit. I'm, starting to, I'm not so sure about what he's talking about. But remember, we're speaking in light of Mark 4, and the third soil has a thorn, and it chokes out the, it chokes out the seed that gets planted. Now, Jesus is speaking in this parabolic language. He's the author of all of Scripture. Everything comes through him, flows through him, and one day will come back to him. He is the author and the finisher. And that's why we see his language through the entire book of the Bible. And his context is the only context. But we've got to get context. We've got to get that this is a, an amazing book. This, we've got to get that this thing is not dead. That it's living and active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And as you study the Bible, as you're in this, and you find a word, and all of a sudden, you're sitting there reading it, and something starts to get illuminated. It starts to, there, you start to feel the peace of God, or you start to feel, man, what is that? There starts to be a revelation or an illumination of God's word. And you're sitting there looking at it, and you're reading it, and for some reason, you start reading it over and over and over again. And there's a word that just sticks out to you. Go into the concordance and look and see how many times is that word in the Bible? Where is that word? What are some of the context of that word right there? Lord, what are you saying to me? You start to discover that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He wants to speak to your heart so that he can change your way of thinking. Remember, we went through a, a whole series of being transformed. To be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's how he renews our mind so he can transform us. All right, we're going we're gonna to move forward. But I need you to know before we go into this next part that the promised land, everybody knows about the promised land. That's where the people, the, he, the Hebrews, went over from the wilderness. You need to know that heaven is not your promised land. Your promised land is the empowered, overcoming Christian life here and now on earth. How do I know? There were enemies in the promised land. You will not have any enemies in heaven. There are no enemies in heaven. You may see some people right now and you feel like they're your enemy and they're going to be in heaven with you and you're like, dang, you are my enemy down there. But no, they're not your enemy anymore. There's no enemy. You, need, you get it. 
Your promised land is the overcoming, empowered Christian life right here and right now. Look at Numbers 33 and 55. It says, but if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, then it shall be that these, those whom you let remain, shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides. And they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. He's saying, if you don't get rid of this stuff in your life, if you don't let, let the, the, the Lord begin to do a work, if you don't find this overcoming Christian life, there's going to be thorns in your flesh. There's going to be irritants. There's going to, you're not going to have vision for your future. You're not going to have vision for your life. And you're going to be harassed every step of the way by that thorn that has manifested itself in your life. And you wonder, why do I keep doing the same thing over and over and over again? Why is it when I get in this situation, I do this? Why do I keep having this same hang-up? Because you're not walking out that overcoming, empowered Christian life and moving forward in your promised land. Look at this, Judges 2 and 3 says, Therefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare to you. Now, Israel had physical enemies. You and I, we have spiritual enemies. Paul writes in, in, in Ephesians, he says, we wrestle not with, with, with flesh and blood, but powers and principalities, rulers and authorities in spiritual places or spiritual realms. The enemy is not your neighbor. It's not your friend. It's not the one who crossed you. It's not. The enemy is a spiritual demonic force that is driving, is manifesting itself out as a thorn in the other individuals. Let me, let me break this down a little bit. So what he's saying, if you don't drive out bitterness, resentment, anger, hatred, unforgiveness, envy, malice, jealousy, you don't drive these things out of your life according to the word of God, you're going to be tormented all of your days and you're going to give a foothold to the enemy to come in and out of your life anytime any one of these situations start to emerge in your life. And all of you can think about a situation that you are, you are held up against and whenever you have any of those attributes, all, all hell breaks loose in your life. And you're like, why does this keep happening? Why do I keep taking the bait? Why do I keep doing this thing? Because there's a foothold. And God wants to help you walk out your promised land and help you to push back the enemy so that you can walk further in that promised land. But you need to know this. You can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. <laughs> so many. If I can just get more of the word in me, if I can just keep getting the more of the word, but yet... Man, whenever this thing happens, I just can't stand it. I can't believe they do that. The word, I can, but I need more of the word. Well, you got to get rid of the demon. You got to exercise the authority that Christ has given you by the blood of the Lamb that washes over you and has cleansed you. And in the same way, He said to the disciples, "There's no serpent, serpents or scorpions going to hurt you, but you have all authority over the power of the enemy. You are going to have to, at some point, you can disciple so much, but at some point, you're going to have to drive out the enemy. You're going to have to take authority over you, over your life." and the lives of your family. I need you to get it. I need you to get it. I, I live there. I live there. I, I, I'm taking, taking notes. 
I'm recognizing these things whenever they, they still pop up. They still pop up. There's, there's times where I want to lean in and snap. But then at that moment, because I've operated through this process, I hold back and I'm like, what is that? What's the deal? Where's that coming from? Why am I wanting to do that? You know what I learned? I, I needed to get around a group of people. That's why we have our Thrive Tribe. They're, they're starting again, the 27th. I needed to get around a group of people that were doing this life, and I could open up and take off the mask and say, you know what? I'm struggling with this thing in a safe place, it was confidential, and they were working out their own issues, trying to get the, their own thorns out of their flesh, and it became safe where we could talk about it and let the Lord minister to us. And then I had to, I had to learn what it means to find freedom. That's why we have our equip class coming up on October 3rd, so that everybody that comes through Thrive can find freedom, completely free. Breakfast, lunch, serve, materials, everything. You just come and grow. Find freedom freedom for your life, for your families, for the generations to come. But if you, and if you don't realize, if you don't realize that these things are true in our current world and the current culture and the current things that are going on, you'll never understand what God can do in you as a believer. If you don't realize that the people that are, that are got, getting caught up in the riots and prejudice and discrimination, that these are attributes, manifestations of hurt, Anger, prejudice, discrimination, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness. That's all this is, is a bunch of people manifesting these attributes and they're calling it rioting. They're calling it uh, protest. No, it's not. There's a lot of unforgiveness. There's a lot of hatred. There's a lot of prejudice. There's a lot of discrimination. You want to deal with that, we won't have any of these issues. You know what deals with it? is a people like you and I sharing the love of God with people who are lost and broken and wounded. And when they come at you with anger, you just come up with kindness. There's nothing like the peace of God and the love of God that breaks the power of, in, of the enemy. You know what I don't do? Whenever I'm, I'm in a conversation and I start to see that this person starts to get riled up, and the thorn in their flesh is starting to manifest itself in attitude, I don't engage. In fact, I disengage because I realize I'm no longer in conversation with the thorn carrier. I'm in conversation with the manifestation of that thorn. Because when somebody starts to get all fired up and all angry, obviously there's something going on with them. There's a hurt, there's a wound, there's an issue, and I'm not going to allow that thorn of the flesh to begin to, to, to create division in that relationship, and that thorn is not satisfied until that relationship is destroyed. And then that thorn has become my thorn. And instead of disarming the situation, I own the situation, and I own that thorn as well. Are you getting me? That's why we got to forgive. That's why we got to bless. That's why we got to release. That's why we got to encourage. But here's the things that Jesus was talking about. This is where three areas the thorns attacked. He says this, the cares of this world, the cares of this world, number one. First, first Peter 5, 7 says this, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Casting all your care upon him. For you. you know, we're not burden carriers. We're sheep. Scripture says in, in Psalms 103 that you and I are sheep. That's another symbol, parabolic language. He's saying we're sheep. Sheep are not burden carriers. Never have I and probably never have you been going on a mountain hike in advance, you called ahead a guide and said, hey, can you get me some pack sheep uh, ready? No. 
We're not burden carrying. We're not made. What we are made to do is carry the burden over to the cross. And so what we do is we let it go, but we don't leave it. We lay it down, but we don't, we, we pick it up. So what we do is we say, you know what? I can't handle this anymore. It's becoming too much weight. I'm stressed. I'm anxious. I'm worried. I'm, I'm fearful, whatever the situation is. And we go and we say, finally, Jesus, your word says that I can cast my cares upon you. And in another place, it says that come to you, all, all you are, who are uh, heavy laden, and you will give me rest. And I need some rest because I hadn't been sleeping in quite a few nights. And so we take it. We lay it down at the cross and say, finally, Jesus, I'm going to give it to you. Thank you, God, that you're going to take care of that, that problem because I've been dealing with that for a very long time. And God, I just know that you can believe, you can do something about it, and I'm going to apply my faith because your word says it, and I, and I know who I am in your word. So it's right there, and so all you got to do is just fix that issue right there. I'm leaving it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything else with it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm, I'm going to get some sleep. I'm just going to leave it right there, God. Right there, right, right there at the base of the cross, right, right there. Well, if you're not going to do anything about it, I'm just going to go ahead and, and we pick it back up so we can go and try to fix our own problems again and take on the same issues that we think we were letting go of. In that gap, God is testing our faith and wondering, are you truly going to apply faith and begin to allow me to do a work in your life, because while he's doing that work and he's, he's fixing that issue, he's resolving that problem, he's also resolving this problem, and he's pulling a thorn out of your flesh. Boy, that gap, that's a big gap. That's a really big gap. But as we begin to apply God's word, because we got revelation, and we see that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about a situation in our lives, and that's why I keep wrestling with that. And then I go and apply it, and I say, Lord, I'm going to take my hands off of it. I'm going to let you do it, because I can't do anything. All it, can, all it is doing is breaking me, my family, or my bank account. And the moment we give it away, and we truly give it away, and we let him do the work, he begins to develop us in faith. He begins to change our heart. He begins to change our minds and our mindset, our temperament, our attitude. That thorn is coming out. And Jesus says the cares of this world will choke you and choke the word in your life out. How many times have you been reading God's word and your mind wandered away into some issue, some problem, some distraction, Something that you think you need to take care of, you need to handle, some financial issue, some family issue, some marriage issue. And instead of being in God's word, the distractions of this world, the cares of this world came and choked out the word from penetrating itself into your heart. And Satan and his little messenger did its job that it was sent to do in that moment in your devotion time. Man, so the cares of the world is number one. Number two is the deceitfulness of riches. Number, First uh, Timothy six seventeen says this: Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Remember the word trust. Who gives God? Who gives us richly all things to enjoy? And you may think, well, I'm gonna check out. He's, he's talking about rich people. <laughs> that ain't me. But what you don't realize, you're thinking in context of America. God's speaking in context of the world. If you 
If you have a net worth of $4,300, you're the top 50% wealthiest people in the whole world. If you have 93,000, if you have a net worth of $93,000, you're in the top 10% of net worth in the whole world. So he, he's talking to you. He's saying, don't let you, don't let, don't become haughty, nor trust in the uncertainty of riches, but in the living God. And he says in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10, backing up a few verses, he says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and to many, into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse 10, for the love of, the, of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. There's three things in this passage he's telling us to veer away from. He says, don't trust in money. Don't love money. Don't desire money. He's not talking about don't pray for favor. He's not talking about, Lord, would you please change my heart, move me into blessings so I can be a blessing towards others. Scripture says that you are blessed to be a blessing, Ephesians. You are already blessed. It's walking in the mentality of understanding that I'm blessed. I need to learn how to walk in my blessedness so that I can be a blessing. He's not saying don't pray against, don't pray those things. What he is saying is don't let it become a heart issue. Don't let money, don't let the trust for money, the desire for money, the love for money become a heart issue because then it will control your life and veer you away. And in fact, you will get choked out. The word will be choked out of your life and it will be unfruitful. That's what he's saying in Mark 4. The reason is we're supposed to put all of these things towards God who blesses us mightily. I've watched believers, baby Christians, start to understand this principle of giving and the tithe. And when God started to bless them, they get, because of their immaturity, got so focused on the blessings they walk away from the blesser. This is what he's saying. You begin to test God because Malachi 3.10 says you can in the tithe. God will begin to test you. He will pour out his blessings. That's his promise. And then if, you, if he sees he can test you and trust you, he will begin to grow you in stewardship because he's challenging and he's checking your heart because it's a heart issue to see if you can, he can trust you with things of real value. That's his word. So last week, I had a, an impression that I needed to tell our Next Steps class about this. So many times I've seen in this church two years ago, one year ago, baby Christians come in, learn, and then just veer away and no longer in church because they're chasing after a blessing rather than the blessed. So but, but trust in, the trust in money what does one thing. It does, I mean, it does several things. It promises you the things that only God can provide. Significance, identity, security, joy, happiness. It, it promises you a better marriage, a better house. These are all promises that only God can provide. Only God can, pro can provide for you security, identity, significance, a better house, a better marriage. Why? Because your house is pretty broken without God. Been there. You may think the structure is amazing. Yeah, well, the brokenness inside of it is going to make it fall. 
Only God can provide these things. Money tries to do what only God can do. Number three is this, the desire for other things. Jesus mentions in Mark 4, desire for other things, come in and choke out the word and cause it to be unfruitful. Well, look at this. What are other things? Let's see what Jesus says. Matthew 6, 33 and 31 says, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Or, more like, should I buy an iPhone or a droid? What kind of watch should I get? Girl, what kind of purse should I be wearing? How about these shoes? These shoes rocking, or should I get another pair? The desire, (laughs) you see it? The desires for other things. For after all these things, other things, The Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Don't worry about it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The people that don't know God, that are far from God, they're concerned about these other things. Their whole mind is continually set in concern about these other things. But your heavenly Father already knows in advance what you need. In fact, in another place, Scripture says, He already knows what you need before you even ask for what you need. He says to seek and you will find. Knock and it will be answered. He says if you will just pursue him. He's saying, saying, seek these things. Seek God. Don't seek these things. Seek God. But it's okay to ask for these things. And as you're asking for these things and pursuing God, Philippians 4.19, my God shall, shall provide all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know how you know how Paul was able to say that to the Philippians? Because they finally got it in their understanding and their heart that as they were giving their life away to Jesus, Jesus, because of Paul's own experiences, would supply all of their needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's hard for those things to take place when our main focus is how are we going what are we going to wear? How are we going to live? How are we going to survive? You let God figure that out. You pursue him. You pursue his righteousness, and he will make a way where there was no way. And we're talking about desires of other things. This, this word desire is a, comes from the Greek word epithemia. Epithemia. Now, this word's in the Greek 38 times. 25 times it's lust. 11 times, 11 of those times, is desires. Another time's covetousness, and another time longing for What am I saying about that? This word actually means passion. The word, the root word is passion. God has given you, given us passion that is meant and purposed for his things, his ways, his kingdom, his righteousness, so that he could bless us and favor us and move us further in our promised land of life. He gave us this passion to pursue him and his purposes here on earth. However, Satan has come and twisted that, and now many of us, like the world, have lust and desires for other things or other people. And it's Satan's twist. He took what was purposed for good, and he's made it evil, and we are allowing it to choke the word out of our life and keeping us from being unfruitful. You're all putting this together? Man, this is really good. God is trying to do a work. And this is why we want every person that comes through here to find freedom. Because we struggle as humanity. Man, you see a good-looking girl, instead of just saying, God, thank you for making that so much beauty, you start like, whoa. See that nice car? Man, if I can just, you know, I'm, 
I can probably make this happen. Yeah, kids aren't going to be able to go to daycare anymore, but I can make this happen. <laughs> Mama's going to be mad. She's going to have to homeschool, but I can get this truck. Somebody's done it, I'm sure. Or you thought it. The desires, the deceitfulness, the cares. Man, they're keeping us from being the church. They're keeping us from moving the kingdom forward. They're keeping the word from bearing fruit in your life and for your family and the generations to come. And they're keeping you with a thorn in your flesh. And they're keeping the manifestations of the thorn, the thorn barrier, the one who's behind the thorn, Satan's messenger. They're keeping, it's keeping him in your life. And he's wrecking it. Sometimes it's a fast move. Sometimes it's a slow phase. But he's strategic. And in the right moment, in the right moment, if he can get you distracted, to catch you off guard, if he can get you to mess up a relationship, if he can keep you out of healthy relationships, if he can keep you insecure, if he can keep you from letting go of the yesterdays, can you believe you did that? I don't know how God's ever going to forgive you. Well, by the grace of God, that's how he forgives you. Satan wants to keep that thorn, but what is that thorn? I want to pray for two groups today. I, I've actually got a... I want, to, I want you to know there, there's several tribes you can get plugged into. We have an app. Go in. Find a group, church center app. You got a little card just like this. Women's tribe, freedom tribe, marriage tribe, freedom, another freedom tribe, transform, Bible 101 right here, rooted, understanding why you believe what you believe, and then a ladies' prayer group. Go in, download this app, get plugged in. Find a safe place. Because the two groups I want to pray for are prevalent. And you may, you may be thinking, how does he know this about me? It's common. There's some of you who come in, and you come in, you have back pain. You're carrying a burden. You're not meant to carry the burden. You're carrying a weight that doesn't belong to you. You probably had this back pain for some time. It's kind of, oh, right there in my shoulder blade. And every time, every time I, I try to go to sleep, I can't. It just hurts. When I wake up, it just hurts. Because you're carrying a burden you're not meant to carry. There's cares of this world that you're continually, continually keeping on your heart. My, my kids, I just don't know if my kids are going to be able to, okay, I, I don't know if they're going to be safe, I don't, know if I don't know what they're going to do. That husband of hers, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. But God's word has an answer for that. And then there's that other group, man, carrying resentment, oh, I can't believe they did that. Bitterness, anger, walking in unforgiveness, can't believe they said that. Can't believe they would do that. <sighs> Did that to me? Jealousy. You're carrying these things and you're not processing them with the Lord. And I'm going to give you the answer right here for both of you. In your mind's eye, however you get with the Lord, well, I want to encourage you, you can get with the Lord right now because he's in this place. Some close their eyes, some keep their eyes open. However you eliminate distractions. Taking that, that weight, because you've been carrying so much stuff in that backpack of 
of problems, of desires, of cares of this world, of deceitfulness, of riches, whatever it is, and just taking that thing off and laying it at the cross. Or that unforgiveness, that bitterness, that resentment, that, oh, I can't believe it. In my time of need, I want to remind you that even Joseph realized later that his brothers who sold him in slavery and threw him in a well, he realized they didn't do that. God was positioning me to find favor and blessing. And it's hard to see it when you're walking in unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment and jealousy and hatred. Anger, it's hard to see it. But if you'll, in your mind's eye, just see yourself laying that at the feet of Jesus today. those thorns and that group that has to lay down the backpack if you'll just say this my God will supply all of my needs all of my kids all of my family according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus and just take a deep breath and receive peace. And the others, with your hatred, with the resentment, the anger, bitterness, oh, the jealousy. Simply say, I forgive. Will you forgive me? And I could just feel the peace of God rest over so many of you right here today. And you can embrace that and hold on to that and trust God for that. You can walk out of here with that. And man, I'm telling you, persecution and tribulation is going to try to test you. And you're going to say, no, no, no. I laid it down. And I received peace today over that thing. I'm walking in my new self. I'm moving forward in my promised land. That enemy is no longer before me, but he is behind me. God, why don't we just celebrate God? Let's stand up and let's just worship Him because He's a mighty God and He has done a work in our lives.